Coming to you from the kingdom of Marion, this is the Ernest Mann Show, and I'm your host, Ernest Mann. Wherever you may be listening in this world. This is episode number 91. The U.S. Southwest water crisis is far different than it appears to be. I am not a farmer. I know a little bit about farming, but I don't claim to be a farmer. But something came up in the news recently, and it ties in with something that I thought would be very interesting to discuss. It has to do with the water shortage in New Mexico and how there apparently is a disconnect as far as that is concerned. So that's what I'm going to be talking about. The story was about how a group of environmentalists are trying to save a certain endangered species of minnow from the river in Albuquerque, the main river, the big river. And um, the situation is that um, the Rio Grande is um, essentially dry. It is the fourth largest river. And, um, well, the take on what was going on there was pretty much what I predicted, that it would be in that there appears to be a great cognitive dissonance that is taking place that basically supersedes logic and reason. When they were talking about trying to save these minnows, which are approximately, well, as big as your pinky finger and to relocate them into other areas of the Rio Grande which only has water because that water is the reprocessed water from a sewer treatment plant it struck me as well unbelievably short-sighted now, before I go into that aspect of it, I would like to mention that I lived in New Mexico. Several years ago, I lived in Albuquerque, and I lived there for several years. And I got to know the region and the culture pretty well. And that is the region all the way up into the southern part of Colorado 
in both directions, east and west. One of the things initially, having never lived in a desert community before, was how strange it was that when I went into a restaurant, there was an odd feeling and I couldn't quite place what the strangeness was. It took me four or five or six trips and getting used to this to notice what it was. And what it is, and if you've never lived there, I can tell you that this is a fact. When you go to a restaurant in New Mexico, they don't give you water. And then it hit me. Oh, the desert thing. Conservation. Okay, I got it. They'll give you water if you ask for water. But they don't just give you water willy-nilly. New Mexico has done incredible things as far as conservation is concerned in the last few years. It wasn't that long ago that, um, well, basically they were consuming much more water than they currently are. And apparently what that means is that conservation efforts have paid off. So the, the usage per person has dramatically decreased. But here's the thing, and this goes back to the original story that I was reading. You see, <clears throat> no matter how much you conserve, you can only conserve so much. So then the article that I was reading, and I believe it was in the uh, Columbia newspaper from Ohio, that they were trying to explain from the various professionals, all of these professional ecologists and, and university educated uh, uh, techno environmentalist people, that they were explaining that, well, if we do this over here with the Colorado and if we do that and going on and on and on and on and on and on, I realized that once again, what they are proposing is a techno solution. And here's the problem. The problem is, is that that butts heads absolutely directly and proportionally with reality. You can only conserve so much. It's no longer a solution that turns into an inconvenience. Then, eventually, 
that inconvenience turns into desperation. And that is what New Mexico is approaching. What is the answer? I know the answer. I'm going to tell you the answer. But here's the thing. Here's the hook. No one wants to hear it. And this uh, very same problem that is not only affecting New Mexico, it's also affecting the southern desert states as well, to a, a greater or lesser degree. There is a disconnect with reality. That reality is this. Are you ready? There are too many fucking people. That's what none of them will say. Perhaps not as crudely as I said it. As a matter of fact, they won't say it in any way. Because, for one thing, um, it, as far as the housing market is concerned, it doesn't matter how wonderful the homes are. Now, I'm talking about when I lived there and I, I stayed in many of the cities and spent time. I was in Tucson. I was in the smaller towns to the north. And um, I got to know the place really well. And the perception, it was always the same from what I came up with. There's too many people. I don't care how nice your home is, even if it's at a rock bottom price. When you come in and you turn on the tap and there's no water, it makes everything else quite meaningless. But the bigger point of this, as far as I'm concerned, is that this is simply symptomatic of a way of looking, or perhaps in this case, of not looking at reality that is in front of you. This region was never, let's say, designed or meant to have this many people. Now, think about this before I go into the next segment. Just say, for instance, what would happen if their water pretty much literally ran out 
then there's of course the whole crisis thing that would happen and there'd be trucks of bottling in water to help people quite literally live and not die of thirst but sooner or later even the most stalwart optimist would look at this and say you know what we got to get the hell out of here now I happen to live in the Pacific Northwest and uh, I happen to live on the uh, west side and um, essentially basically as far as shortages we don't have this problem and there's a statement that I have heard from several people that I encountered who have left New Mexico, left Arizona, left California. And with all the other things that's going on, the social unrest, the homelessness, you know, the 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 incredible fires that's going on in California. But that's not what I was hearing. As her one simple statement that was, well, I want to live someplace where there's water. So, what do you think would happen? Just try to imagine this scenario. All these people, the, the majority from these states, Maybe, perhaps, it, it might start as a trickle, or maybe not. But they all left. They all left because, frankly, they're sick of it. Okay. All right. Where would they go? Because... For instance, where I live now, the rents, the mortgages, the home cost are, are beyond fucking ridiculous. Proportionally, forget it. If you are not coming to this area, and you don't at least have a six-figure income. I'm talking about a person in their very late 20s or perhaps mid-30s, maybe even early 40s, maybe. If you don't have that in two, you're, you're, in, you're in big trouble. If you're thinking about coming here and believing, for instance, that your career is just going to blossom and take off, so naturally you come to the big city of, of P-Town, Portland, well, <clears throat> that's a good idea 
except for one major factor. Guess what? Everyone else is too. And this comes back to something that I argued previously, and I'm going to say it again. It's like this. I call it the, the rabbits and the holes phenomenon. There's only X number of holes or X number of rabbits. And once you get caught up in the rental cycle, it's, it's very bad news. So as far as water is concerned, yeah, we have water. Problem is, once again, it's a matter of numbers. Anytime when you have people and they keep they keep coming and coming and coming and coming. It's not good. And predictably, it doesn't fare well. Now as far as the conditions in New Mexico, I figured that out when I lived there. I figured this out 15 years ago because actually, and this is what they're not telling you, they have, um, they have another huge problem is that um, most of their water that they use is ground sourced so it has a a very high mineral content and uh, it's it's very very hard water but they had again this was one of one of the reasons why because I saw the writing on the wall they had and 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 this came and went as a on the radar screen of the news. It never got major publicity, but I did the research. I figured it out. Um, we're talking 12, 15 years ago, but they had a major problem of jet fuel leakage from many of the Air Force facilities, which there are quite a number of, uh, and their tanks were, were leaking big time. And they were leaking, and there was essentially, uh, from a cost-benefit analysis, yeah, they did a little something, fix one here, fix one there, but I'm talking about it was a huge problem, and all the jet fuel Guess where it went? That's right. Into the aquifer. Into percolates down. And no one's talking about that. But, yeah. And it poisons the water. So, they're not even talking about that issue. Very quiet. but it's very real. So, the thing is this. 
As I said, I'm no farmer, but I do know this. Farmers routinely, I don't know about the corporate behemoths, but farmers who are actual farmers, those that remain, those that are actually try to produce good products from good quality soil, they understand the concept that uh, fields routinely have to be left farrow, uncultivated, left alone. I believe they may even plant um, certain grasses. Won't exactly come to me right now uh, what that is, but that's what they do. And that is meant to enrich the soil. So you give the soil recoup time and um, because if you don't do that the mineral content and I'm talking about the multi minerals the stuff that is taken up by plants which in turn we eat and animals eat and that in turn gets into our body that keeps diminishing so Basically, much like the situation in the Midwest where you have huge monocultures of land and uh, they don't get this treatment and year in, year out, season in and season out, they are sprayed with various fertilizers, primarily an aluminum nitrate and um, so yeah, the essentially for this artificial fertilizer, the soil, it just becomes a sponge. There's nothing innately like rich soil. It's just a sun, a sponge to soak up these chemicals. So the quality of what is produced year after year, it spirals down. So I mean, visually, I mean, you could look at these things and yeah, maybe visually the corn looks great, tomatoes looks, looks great, but their actual content of the things that we need to live is very low. As for instance, compared to, you know, organic soil very rich soil. I'm not here to go into all that. That's an entirely separate topic. But if you look at water as a, a resource, of which of course it is, it never gets a break never gets a chance to really recharge. And guess what? Year in and year out, more and more people, they keep coming. And so, of course, because of this, it kind of negates any you know, conservational efforts you're doing those things would help 
they would work if you had a static population, but they don't because people are conditioned to just do whatever it is the hell they want to do. That's not rational. You can't you can't have a civilization working like that. You can have one that's in trouble. You can have one that's collapsing. And the signs of that in that region are everywhere. I'm sure, for instance, you've heard about what's going on with Lake Mead. And the symptomatology of what the hell is going on, the message could not be any clearer. Yet there's no plan. Well, I have a plan and I'm not going to go into it with this broadcast, but I have a plan. The question is, how many people would actually be interested in it? Because again, if you have an entire society of people that are so disconnected from the realities of life and existence and unless you tell them what they want to hear well you're you're ignored and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you're dealing with, it really doesn't matter if you're dealing with one crazy person who is delusional or a hundred thousand or a million. The only way it matters is that things exponentially get worse that much faster. And then, then again, Ironically, it's the very same people who didn't listen, who won't listen, who refuse to listen, and then when the proverbial shit hits the fan, they all look around. Where the hell is all this crazy coming from? Well, I turn on my tap. I pay my water bill. Why, why there no water? I'm starting to sound like one of the people out of idiocracy you haven't seen that film i strongly suggest it absolutely excellent because even their language had devolved to the point where they spoke like that turning on a tap where water me no understand where Water! Where water?
so to the uh, basically would be I think anything west of those areas towards the coast that's that's pretty much stitched up so that only leaves the north heading east primarily east the north and well, the northeast in a northeasterly direction can't go south that's Mexico can't walk off into the ocean but if you are far away let's say as an example and I actually had a person named Ryan thank you very much Ryan who is uh, living in Spokane and even he was aware of this and he said yeah you know we we have a good distance so we have a, de a decent here in Spokane we have you know snowfall we have water and you know we have all that we have a good buffer a distance we have a good buffer zone but guess what it's not that far it's not like thousands upon thousands of people would not go to extremes which is the equivalent of like walking across the Gobi Desert to survive I mean the people a lot of those people fleeing Mexico for a better life in America many of them don't make it many of them die I mean just the trek through the desert they die hundreds die so that should tell you where things really are now as far as the common I'm talking about the common communities in all those places in that in that region of the US where are they going to go what's going to happen because let me give you an example for the last 10 15 20 years as things continue to spiral down and get worse and worse not just sociologically but from a resource point of view yeah you might be you might be comfortable might be feeling your oats if you live all the way in Spokane but now there's the realization that they are coming they're coming due to delusional thinking on mass and ultimately what that in fact turns into is desperation so then you have the um, the moral question that you have to ask yourself because normally normally people socialized folks of course we're not talking 
sociopaths. We're talking those people remaining who are normal. I mean, no one, you know, if someone's drowning, you're going to try to, in most cases, if you can swim or if there's a means of doing it, in most cases, people help people. That's just the way we are. <laughs> this thing, it's called being human. But that has its limits. And when it gets to the point where as you uh, may have had a huge feast of a meal and then a few more friends unexpected come and you're charming and glib. Oh, yeah, sure. And you pass the plate. But the point is, if they would they keep coming and they keep coming. And that means less and less and less of everything for everyone else to the point where no one individually can be satisfied by a meal. Well, if we look at it in terms of, again, resources, I would say this to those people way out there to the north, to the northeast, to the east, where you felt comfortable. You might want to think about this because you know what? They're coming because of reasons I already mentioned that life that that entire contrived living standard for that region is not workable it's not sustainable based on not only not having a static population but the fact that they just keep coming. I hope you like this. I'm out of here. Well, that's all I've got to say for now. If you like what you heard, or if you didn't like what you heard, leave a comment. And if you really liked it, tell a friend. Until next time. This is Ernest Mann reminding you to be careful in this crazy mixed up world. Crazy mixed up world. Crazy mixed up world. Crazy mixed up world. I'm in a crazy.